Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard and I have with me for the second time in two nights, my co-host and friend, Parker Fleming. Parker, how are you? I am doing great. I have just uh, driven about 500 miles, listened to the third season of the Dr. Death podcast, which was just wild for so many reasons I won't get into right now. And I am, uh, you know what, Grant, I'm, I'm glad we had a, a trial run last night to get this podcast uh, up and ready for some Texas content. We did. Uh, we recorded an entire episode and then I accidentally recorded an entire or deleted an entire audio track in Audacity last night. Um, but we're going to go at it again. So you're getting this episode a day late, uh, but not a dollar short, I hope. Just a day late. Uh, Parker, I have to ask, is Dr. Death the one about the, the surgeon in a DFW? Okay. So the, the Dr. Death, the first, they did like the first season. It's the guy from, from like Dallas, from like yeah, yeah, North yeah. Dallas. And they've done multiple seasons. So we did a season. I, we're going to talk about this on bye week or if TC loses, yeah. we'll talk about it on Sunday. It is like the most amazing own goal I have ever seen <laughs> the woman who's the star of it is actually like the loser in it. Like she it is amazing. It is so funny and not for the reasons they think it is. Um, but also this guy's a doctor and he killed some people. That was bad too, but well, yeah, yes, that's the same podcast. Speaking of own goals, Parker, uh, we talked yesterday a little bit about Gary Patterson and the SMU uh, debacle. Do you mind if I kind of run down the timeline a little bit? No, please, please do. I actually have a pretty good clip of audio of me talking about this. And so I think I might put that on Twitter or something because <laughs> okay, I went back and just, yeah. Um, cause, cause I do think we did, you, you helped me facilitate some good things, but yes, there was an own goal kicked this week. Um, and then TC was responsible. Why don't you lay us out what happened there? Right. If you want the director's cut, please visit at stats war on Twitter, but Basically, uh, SMU beat TCU on Saturday, as you may well be aware. And after the game, SMU went out and planted their flag at midfield uh, at Amen G. Carter, which they won the game. And I would have done the same if I were a pony. Uh, during the the confrontation, sort of the uh, the fracas that – I can't pronounce that word. Fracas, fracas, whatever. Um, that emerged, the hullabaloo, if you will. Uh, TCU uh, – Assistant offensive coordinator, assistant to the head coach, whatever. Jerry Kill uh, got knocked down, suffered a concussion. That part's serious. We won't joke about that. I hope Jerry's okay. Uh, and then in the press conference, Gary alleged that an SMU player, I believe, had thrown a helmet and hit Jerry Kill and caused a concussion. Video emerged uh, on Sunday. Uh, there was great reporting by both Drew Davison of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and Joseph Hoyt of the Dallas Morning News. And that video showed that uh, – Seemed like Coach Kill got knocked down by a TCU player. Cut to Tuesday's press conference, and Gary basically doubles down on the allegations and says that, uh, you know, he has his own evidence. Uh, Also, he's mad that SMU used his song, Take a Step Back, uh, as a sort of celebratory video after they won, uh, and alleges that SMU had pre-planned the flag planting at midfield. Uh, then uh, Hoyt, uh, Joe Hoyt at Dallas Morning News comes out with, uh, it's a press release from the SMU athletic director who said that he had talked to Jeremiah Donati and had the assurance that Patterson was going to walk back the allegations. Clearly that didn't happen. So basically we're now stuck where there's video evidence that shows one thing and Gary is saying 18 different things, none of which the video evidence is saying. And he's made what should have just been an embarrassing loss to SMU an embarrassing loss to SMU and also an embarrassing uh, charade, if you will. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that's more or less the long and short of it, Grant. I, I just don't understand how hard it is to not come out on Tuesday and say, hey, I want to talk about something for, for just one minute and then move on from it. I uh, am, am passionate about winning and I hate losing. I'm passionate about protecting and defending the people that are around me. And on Saturday after the game at the heat of the moment, uh, there was a kerfuffle. I misunderstood what happened in the situation. I made an accusation that is demonstrably false. Um, I apologize to the SMU players and to Coach Dykes. Uh, by no means did we think that, uh, or do I still think that that's something that is demonstrably false as SMU players assaulting a TCU, co- or a, a TCU coach is, is true. I don't know how easy or how hard it is to just say that and move on instead of continually doubling down in an effort to try and create a straight focus off of the upcoming Texas matchup and the fact that um, TCU's defense got pushed around by SMU. Right, and I think that's the upshot of it all is that you can get away with a lot of crap when you win. And if you're a generally good dude and you lose, well, there's no like total animosity. Right. Like I don't, I don't think Texas fans hate Charlie strong, for example, right. Good dude just didn't win enough. Yeah. Yeah. But but when you lose and you're a defensive head coach and you give up 42 points to SMU and have no control of the game whatsoever. And also you do something embarrassing after the game that's where it gets untenable. And, and Parker, it definitely and, makes things worse. Yeah, it makes things a lot worse. And I don't know about you. This is the most embarrassed I felt about TCU football. I, I think I said on Twitter since that 2009 West Virginia or 2019 West Virginia game where the team quit straight up on the field. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but, but it might've been since I've been a TCU fan. It's not good. No, this is, this is a low point for me um, in the program. If I were the athletic director, we would be having conversations um, about um, leadership roles um, very, very quickly. This is um, uh, what has happened this week is an embarrassment. It's not something that hasn't been in Patterson's playbook. Remember like Texas tech fans throw in yeah. water bottles or whatever, whatever crap. This a, is something Gary a, a, a does. football at Nico small, I think at the Oklahoma game. Yeah. 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 And so to just, 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 just to double down on something that's so demonstrably false and, and Grant, here's the reality. If an SMU player threw a helmet or swung a helmet at Jerry kill and induced a concussion, that is aggravated assault. Yeah. That is, Gary is accusing a teenager or a 20 year old of aggregated assault when there was clear demonstrable evidence, it didn't happen. Um, that's what we're dealing with here. And the fact that Donati got, got made a fool of publicly because he said he had it under control. And then Gary said something else like that, that uh, this, this is just a, a real bad situation. This is not, um, Hey, your quarterback pipeline's broken and your offense has been bad. Hey, you keep hiring your friends at the key positions and that's, you know, they're underperforming. Hey, you're too conservative on offense. And so your team's doing poorly. That's, those are concerns grant of a different magnitude. This is, um, this is tectonic, like big, big under the ground stuff that I just, honestly, frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty done with. Um, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. That uh, would be the emotional. I mean, you can only take so much of this kind of crap before it, it it's not funny anymore. And, and it's not even right. like, Oh, everyone has, we'll get to Texas in, in 30 seconds. I promise. Everyone has a friend <laughs> where it's like, Oh, that's just, that's just Jim. You know, that's just Jim. But eventually Jim is like, we should probably stop hanging out with Jim. And yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, you know what? I, I, let's talk about football. Do you want to talk about football? 
that'd be great. I can wallow in this file. And if TC loses to Texas in an embarrassing faction on Sunday, we'll talk about Dr. Death and talk about Gary Patterson <laughs> for a long time. It'd be great. Uh, Parker, let's talk about the Texas Longhorns, uh, who enter Fort Worth. Indeed. Yeah, enter Fort Worth with a three and one record uh, wins over Louisiana, Rice, and uh, Texas Tech. Blowout wins over Rice and Texas Tech. And then a loss to Arkansas, which retrospectively does not look that bad because Arkansas is really good up front. Uh, Parker, what, what cool stats do you have for me about the Texas Longhorns? I have so many cool stats. They've definitely looked better after they made the quarterback switch, but that does, I think that the narrative of they found the right quarterback or even that they're playing their best quarterback is overblown because um, I was tweeting about this the other day, Grant, with Hudson Card, they were throwing, uh, Hudson Card had an dot, an average depth of target of like 13.4. 13.4. I have the advantage of having the numbers and you don't. But I'm just oh, you have the numbers right in front of you. Yeah, I, do, I do. yeah, I don't know. Have I said out loud? I'm in a hotel in Amarillo. I just yeah, drove I, 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 miles. So, we're just we're freewheeling. That's not me correcting um, you. That's me. I know you hate yes. being inaccurate, so I'm just helping you. Yes, yes. Uh, that that decimal place, those those two tenths of a point, is really how you know that I do the analytics. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so so his his a dot was thirteen point two, and they threw screens on uh, a little over twenty five percent of his. Um, no, 11%, excuse me, of his passes. With Casey Thompson, that eight out is down to, to in the tens, and they are throwing only 11, uh, 25% screens. So they've almost, they've more than doubled the frequency that they're throwing screens. They're running outside zone differently. I do think that they made some um, offensive changes that aren't necessarily related to the uh, abilities of the quarterback. Because again, Hudson Card, got pressured a lot when he wasn't pressured he was looking pretty good when he was pressured he wasn't looking abysmal so I do think that there's a little bit of um just change for the sake of change and they've played around with the um offense there uh in in changing quarterbacks yeah and and, I mean Card was sacked uh six times Thompson's only been sacked once um I think a lot of that has to do with how quickly they're asking Thompson to get rid of the ball with, with those screens um Thompson's done eight picks or excuse me eight touchdowns and two picks um and he's completing 16% more passes than the Hudson cards. That's not adjusted completion percentage, it's just raw numbers. But um, yeah, yeah. It, it, Sark, we talked about this. The theory that there's a psyop that uh, Sark is running to where he started card to appease the boosters and then was like, okay, now we're actually going to put in the quarterback that I want to play is very intriguing. I, I yeah. I, I'm, I'm not active on Orange Bloods enough to confirm the validity of it, but I do think it's it's a fun uh, fun possibility. Yeah, because again, you just think about it in terms of like, where am I going to get more flack? Well, you're going to get more flack if you start the old guy and there's this young hotshot yeah. on the bench. And so in, in, in many ways, I think that's a vet move by by Sark there. Um, Texas overall, not not too bad on on offense or on defense. Um, 20th in EPA, uh, margin grant in the, uh, so, you know, offense minus defense, and they're really surprisingly balanced, which is something I noticed. And I don't even think we talked about this from last night, which grant, that's definitely a, a motif we should keep doing is talking about the things we talked about on audio that no one's going to listen to. <laughs> um, I have them at 15th overall on, on offense in EPA and it's success rate. I have them 33rd. They're really balanced 44.6 against the pass. Or, or in the passing game and 44.2 in the rushing game. So it's not like one facet of their offense 
uh, is, is much better than the other in terms of moving the ball, but their explosiveness is largely coming through the pass game. Ninth in EPA per pass at 0.382 and 37th in EPA per rush. Um, the last, uh, the last two stats that I'll give you grant as we're just kind of vomiting these out, but I'm interested in them quality possession rate, that echo rate, they're 15th in the nation. And then in per- points per quality, uh, possession they are third so they're getting a quality possession on 61.5 percent of their drives and they're they're averaging 5.88 so remember quality possession is when you cross the 40 and they when they cross the 40 they are finishing again competition is very bad they move the ball in garbage time against arkansas a little bit um and, and so that's something that i think is really interesting the the the, the other big break uh that, that maybe we'll talk about could be an issue for for tcu and a way to attack texas is um 108th in third down avoidance so they're not getting first downs on first and second down very often they're facing third down a lot their early downs epa is negative 0.65 which is 92nd in the nation their third and fourth down success is fifth in the nation. And so when you play a weak schedule like Texas has outside of Arkansas and you don't have a lot of early down success, but you have a lot of late down success, that's a little bit of a red flag because it does feel like, you know, those third down situations are often uh, much shorter, a little bit more lineup and get the extra two yards or, uh, and, and the talent differential comes out. So those, those three areas kind of, you know, a little more explosive in the past, they're finishing drives really, really well, but they're not moving the ball as well on early downs as they are. They're actually pretty bad on early downs relative to late downs um, in, in terms of uh, offense. Yeah. Um, I, sorry, I just want to talk about B. John Robinson. I, I, He's so good. I, I've been waiting for like, uh, like, I talked about him yesterday and then I thought about him all day today. I was like, damn, he's really good. Um, and I, yes. I, I think he's sort of a, a big part of, as you mentioned, the, uh, you know, Texas doesn't specialize passing a run game because Bijan is able to thrive in both. And I don't want to pin too much um, accolades to him or responsibility or whatever, but I, I do think he's a huge key to the success. And we talked preseason, as did a lot of people, about how well Sark uses running backs in the passing game. Um, you know, is Bijan Robinson Najee Harris? I don't know, but Bijan is. Ha- Parker, Bijan has not caught a pass more than 10 yards downfield all season. I was only caught eight yep. passes, so bear with me. Small sample size. His A dot is one yard past the line of scrimmage. And he's averaging 18.1 yards per reception. Okay, he's got two touchdowns receiving. And, and the way they do it is so ingenious. And it's just that because TCU is so poor at defending the wheel route, this is where I, I get worried because if you look at, I think, I think it was the first touchdown against Texas Tech or maybe the second, but uh, uh, Bijan just ran that short wheel out to the right side against Texas Tech and there was no one there to cover him. And when the safety came over, he just juked him and went to the end zone. And if you look against Louisiana, Texas ran this really cool package. And this is where I think Sark thrives where, you know, they're heavy up front, um, two tight ends, two wide receivers out to the, to the right side. And Robinson's lined up left of the quarterback. And they just run everyone to one side, and Bijan goes to the other. And there's no way a linebacker can get out there to cover him in that amount of space. There's just not. Um, especially the I way don't TC- believe – Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't believe the way TC has been playing, that that bodes very well. Because then you're either isolating Wyatt Harris in run coverage. Right. Um, and letting Winters go. And, and, and kind of the issue with TCU – uh, you know, not to rehash things we already said, it's like 
front front uh, front four is not very disruptive. Nobody's nobody no. hates on the defensive line. There's no, no hate and ass TC defensive lineman right now. And um, and then and the linebacker position, the second linebacker position looks to be it's Wyatt Harris for now. That it isn't really short up on what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of coverage where D Winters just has to be mindful. So like last year, Grant, Garrett Wallow and D Winters moved together as independent units. Yep. They both knew what the other was going to do. They didn't have to worry about it. Uh, and, and this year you just see a lot of hand raising, a lot of questions and a lot of confusion and, and Winters has in his mind, I've got to make sure Harris is doing what he's doing. I've got to check in on him. So I'm, I mean, that's slowing him down a half step. And then you go to the safeties and you say, okay, look, Kendrick Van Zandt, you're the one that's going to kind of be there. Um, as, as Bijan is coming one way or the other out of the field or you're in the slot on these guys, uh, there's just going to be a lot of stress at some key points. And, and, and so guys like the Kendrick Van Zandt, who are quietly very good, or Dee Winters, who's quietly pretty good, are going to be a lot more stressed. And Texas's multiplicity is what really, really worries me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, in 15 seconds, I'll address that multiplicity. I just want to say Bijan, the running game, is also really great because he reminds you of Le'Veon Bell and the way that he sort of waits behind the line of scrimmage for a hole to open. Texas offensive line isn't that impressive. They don't get a whole lot of push, but Bijan's able to sort of have that patience and then make one cut and go. Uh, but you mentioned multiplicity, and, and that comes from having two – you know, they don't have the, the big names at wide receiver – that they've had in the last couple of years, but Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy are a heck of a top two duo. Um, and you have to have two good cornerbacks to cover Texas in the passing game, not to mention Bijan. And TCU, I don't know if you're aware, does not have two good cornerbacks. TCU might not have one. That's yeah. mean. Uh, they, no, they, no, they have one. They, they have very one. much have one. Um, can I throw a nightmare at you just real quick? Sure, Parker. Can you imagine Texas with uh, with Worthy and, and what's his name? Whittington. Uh, and, and Quentin Johnston. <laughs> no. I, no, I can't. <laughs> That's oh, some good perspective right now to be like, man, it could always be worse than it currently yes, is. Yes, it could. Um, count your blessings, folks. Yeah, so, so that, that, um, that multiplicity is really interesting. They, they, you're right, they don't kind of have the ISO guy. I think they're going to throw at Caesar um, or whoever's over there until TCU adjusts or can stop it. And then they're going to be able to counterpunch with uh, Bijan in the run game. And then maybe even counterpunch with Bijan in the um, other game. You, you know, it's not fair to just say no, Roshan Johnson is very good too. Yes, he is. Um, and so he, he, there's, there's, and they'll be able to keep both of those guys fresh. Grant, if you remember last year, um, I think it was Johnson out of the backfield had a wheel route that was a 95-yard touchdown guaranteed uh-huh. that was called back on an illegal formation or a false start. And then there was another one that I think a holding call got him. And so Texas has shown an ability to kind of get these big plays against CCU in the past. Just, you know, some flukes with, like last year, they really benefited from, from some of those penalties. I, I will say, I think, the guy that I'm – oh, go ahead. No, I was, you said that last night too. I didn't challenge you on it. Was, was the holding call a kick return? There was a – no, the, there was that kickoff that like – Five, it took four like drops. the opening, yeah, 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 the opening kickoff, and then so there was the one that I remember that um, Texas motioned and Lakendrick Van Zant didn't move, yes, and Ellinger yes. pointed at him and said it's him, and they <laughs> audibled and TCU didn't move, and then they threw a wheel route. And fortunately, it was like a hold or a, a false yeah, start, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. maybe yeah. it was maybe it was a big like a thirty or forty yard Roshan Johnson run that came back. I'm probably wrong about that. No, 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 no. So um, I, I just. The kickoff last year to open the game took 10 tries. 
Oh yes. my gosh. Yeah. That was a disaster. Uh, um, the, the other thing I'm worried about in the passing game is I think a guy like uh, Joshua Moore, you know, there's, you know, he, he's kind of been their inside guy and he really hasn't caught a pass longer than like six yards. You know, it's all his, his eight outs like in the sixes. And so he's been someone who um, can, can show a lot of yards after catchability, especially because again, we talk about this all the time. Sark is really smart about my guy running in space is, is faster than him catching the ball. If, you know, Sark, Sark says if Devonta Smith and I kept, the ball standing still we're the same speed and so I you know Joshua Moore's got a little bit of wheels I think that'll be an interesting kind of um because again when you when you have a good offensive mind like Sark and you have a good defensive mind like Gary Patterson even with some of these talent uh, issues that TCU has right now there's going to be layers to this game there's going to be counterpoints and points and so the chess match aspect is is, is interesting because it could come down to something like Candy Winters catch Joshua Moore over the middle or can Texas pick up big yards kind of in these in these secondary and tertiary concepts of the passing game yeah and, and you mentioned the chess match and the layers and honestly Parker I, I think where this game may boil down to you for TCU on defense and this is a scary thing to say is how much of a push can TCU generate up front because Texas's offensive line outside of Derek Kerstetter at right tackle who's, who's very good right um is shaky uh their their center and guard combos aren't doing anything for them um, PFF grades are what they are, but they're very low for uh, Longhorn starting linemen. Um, I don't want to call anybody out by name, but a lot of their starting linemen are, are, are pretty god awful at blocking. And so I'll I, call them out by name. Christian yeah, Jones sucks. It, so does so does Jake Majors at center, but um, he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and they haven't looked good against like I mean against Louisiana and against Rice. Even I can't believe I watched so much of the Rice game, but. I was just like, man, I'm underwhelmed by these dudes up front. I know. And if TCU had a dominant interior defensive lineman, as you mentioned at the top of this podcast, that was a hater uh, and just wanted to go out there and hit somebody, this might be a different game. But I I don't know if TCU can generate the pass rush to, to prevent Thompson from just sitting in the pocket and letting his receivers get open. Yeah, and that's going to be the real issue, especially with such a big um, – you know, again, good check down ability with, if, if they're not getting a pass rush, yeah, I, they'll let Bijan kind of go into their Roshan, go into the flats. And, and, and that, that's pretty worrisome. Um, you, yeah. I mean, you, anything you could, you, okay. you've coined two terms here in the last two minutes, yards after catchability and then check down ability as yeah. one word. And I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I really am. No, I think there was, I think those are both different. Those are two abilities. Two, the, the, that was four words and two words. Let the record okay. show. Yeah, I was, you, you, I'm just saying, you, you said them together. I was like, all right, man, I'm, I'm, I'll trust you, but whatever. Um, I'm, I'm worried. I mean, I'm just looking at these TCU stats, and they're depressing as hell. Do you know TCU is 120th in EPA per rush? That doesn't surprise me at all. 120 feels high after what they did last week. They're 130, uh, 130 FBS teams? Uh, well, there's 129 in UMass. Um, <laughs> UConn's worse. Dude, that I think we're gonna find out. Aren't they playing? They're playing this weekend or in two weekends. Uh, UConn's playing Vanderbilt um, this weekend. That's good. That's a good. That's don't watch that game. Good lord. Six dollars uh, ticket. EPA per pass, they're a hundred and first. Yikes, man! Uh, really bad on early downs because they got burned on a couple big plays against SMU and against Cal because people are taking deep shots. And so it'll be interesting to see. Texas has been a little sluggish, like I said on early downs. TCU has been very bad on, on early downs too for defense. So 
Um, yeah, man, this defensive, oh, these things just look terrible. 50.6% success rate in the rush allowed against Cal and SMU, Grant. Jesus. Well, those teams don't run the air raid, right? Dude, well, I'm notorious <laughs> rushing powerhouse, freaking SMU. Terrible. But it's, well, uh, listen, I, you're in a hotel, it's late, but this is where I would say that when you have a defensive head coach, this may be a bad sign. Um, but w- let's flip the script here a little bit, Parker, because you told me a stat yesterday I was pretty surprised with. Parker, where's TCU uh, on EPA per play and offense? TCU's offense is sixth in EPA per play. 0.273 EPA per play on offense. That's 19th in the past and 8th in the rush. Um, 26th in quality possession rate, 14th in points per quality possession. We need to have a discussion on Sunday about, uh, assuming those numbers don't drastically dip, we need to have a discussion about where blame lies and where credit lies. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Because um, I do think that perception is way out of line with reality in regards to this TCU offense. Again, we are talking about I, – I am mad because I do not believe TCU's offense is uh, an elite unit, and I think it could be. And the offensive line is holding it back, and the play calling is holding it back. But TCU's offense can score. They can score plenty for a, a, a normal Patterson defense to win games. Uh, well, correct me if I'm wrong, Parker. The offense is objectively good. Uh, objectively good. We can talk about the, we can quibble about the degrees to which they're good. And if they're doing things to maximize how good yes. they could be, but the offense is not bad. I mean, Grant, it's, they score. And, and there are opportunities to, to score against Texas. Um, you look at the Texas defensive line. I mean, so Louisiana is a good football team and they have a good offensive line. They have a really great scheme. We've talked about it at nauseum. Uh, but Texas defensive line was getting blown back in that game. I watched a lot of clips in that game this week. And, you know, uh, Moro Jomo is, is good. Um, Obi Ogofu on the edge isn't bad either. Um, Texas has pieces, but they, you know, they're not necessarily dominant up front. I, I'm really not sold on any of their linebackers, including Margon Overshone. And I, I think there's an opportunity. If TC wants to run the ball, I think they can. Yeah, again, I think that Texas still has the advantage up front because there's just athletes. Like, sure. um, I'm looking at my one fact. Oh, Byron Murphy, the yeah, freshman. Yeah, Byron Murphy's an animal. Okay, here's what I heard coming out of camp on Brian Murphy this spring. Uh, legitimately, 6'1", 305 pounds. They, they measured him. He was 15% body fat this spring. Cleans 330, squats 600 plus, benches 315 plus. Um, a Holy freaking hell. monster. Yeah. An absolute monster. And, and it's not like Steve Avila wasn't getting beat, but also TCU starting center is out. So, like, that's already going to be a problem up front just from the standpoint of Texas having an absolute freak and the interior offensive line being a weak point for TCU. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this honestly like, – but like you said, Parker – they have great athletes, but as a unit, I don't think they performed as well as the talent would portend. No, definitely, definitely not. Especially that Louisiana game really, really sticks with me um, just on, on the front there. Cause I don't think Louisiana's offensive line, you know, their coach, um, what is it? Ro- not Rob sale, Rob sale. Yes. Rob sale took a job with the giants 
Mm-hmm. And so their offensive line, a little turnover and everything, but um, still a, a pretty quality unit. And TCU should be a, as good as that unit. And, uh, and so I think there's opportunities. I also grant, when you think about like Zach Evans, right in this game, and you think about Quentin Johnston in this game, you think about guys that could have gone to Texas if they had wanted to, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Um, I'm interested to see what they can do. Texas is actually 81st, uh, excuse me. I'm interested to see what they can do in a game where they're kind of amped and there's this like motivation chip. Like when you come to TCU, part of it is I'm not going to Texas. Like I'm going to a a different path. Well, Um, I'll I'll, I'll interrupt you there and not to make fun of our own player, but uh, are because we're the coaches, but uh, Evans was committed to A&M and committed to Georgia and then wound up at TCU after some issues. I I, I still love him to death to be clear, but anyway. Right, 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 right. and, uh, but, but so yeah, Texas defense, I mean, 81st in EPA per rush. Uh, a lot of that's driven by the Arkansas game and the Louisiana game, obviously. Um, and so you think about that rice game and think, wow, I, but rice is awful and they got the garbage time really quickly. So, um, I think that TCU can rush. I think TCU will try to rush, uh, something interesting. One of those kind of, uh, unstoppable force meets a new immovable object is TCU's starting field position is 104th in the nation at 25.8 yard line. Texas's defense is allowing teams to start on their 31.2, which is 97. So TC has been really negative uh, field position uh, on offense generally. And so of course, longer field position, harder drives, but also it's kind of indicative of the defense, not maybe doing as, as well as they could because uh, that matters. And so if TCU could, could find a way to eke out some positive, um, you know, short field drives to take advantage of those like they did in a couple opportunities against SMU, um, that really could could take some pressure off the defense, which would be nice. Does Texas not have an Australian punter anymore? Doesn't Texas? No, it's the SMU has the gigantic punter. Yeah, no, I think Dicker down. the kicker is still there. The kicker, he's not he's a punter, though. and punting. Oh, wild. That guy's insane. Man of many talents. Yeah, man of many insane. talents. Yeah, yeah, man of many talents. Um, on the back end, Parker, kind of, is, I, I don't know, to me it's the same story up front because – well, Josh Thompson's not playing. That came out. Today. I heard about that. I don't know if that's public or not, uh, but okay. I don't care. I'm citing your tweet. Yeah, nobody. Well, no, I didn't tweet about it. I texted you, but um, that's fine. Just put oh, a private message on the line. Do what, not what? cut it. Do not. No, no, don't cut it. I don't care. Josh Thompson's not playing. That's not <laughs> great. I don't care. Breaking news from the Bro Theory podcast. But anyway, um, his Jaron Thompson and Anthony Cook are pretty good. Um, BJ Foster, obviously an incredible athlete, but. They have athletes in the defensive backfield, but they don't necessarily play to the potential. Maybe that's their scheme, but Foster is giving up a 66.67 uh, completion rate as a safety, which means that he's probably having to go over and cover when guys are breaking free. And though he's an incredible safety, he's not getting there in time, whether that's scheme, whatever, but you're completing two thirds of passes every time Foster is the primary defender. Yes, and so I like the uh, I, 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 I like the idea of kind of attacking him because he's going to be a little bit more like a little Kendrick Van Zant and kind of right. in, inside, space. and so yeah. that's seam stuff. Like I would love um, uh, again. I think about man, Tay Barber had a great move in that SMU game where he kind of caught the ball yeah. um, crossing and and missed a couple guys and went for a really long run. Or I mean, it was a long run after he caught the ball. And so I think that there is um, some potential there to be really, really annoying if they can get the right personnel on the field. Again, I, I, Grant, I haven't tracked the groupings because it hasn't mattered as much. 
But I really do think that TCU has this great opportunity for kind of this big, big, little kind of pairing inside and out where they can have Savion who needs to catch the damn ball and Quentin. Uh, and then on the inside, they have, you know, Tay Barber and J.D. Spielman or Darius Davis, guys who can go both horizontally and vertically. I really do think there's a lot of fun trickeration that TCU could do that could be supremely annoying and put stress on a guy like Foster. Also, I'll note Foster is playing the position that if TCU runs that glance RPO that they've done every now and then, then I say they should run more often. Foster's the guy that's going to have to choose whether he wants to stop that Zach Evans or let Quentin Johnson catch the ball behind him. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch. It will. Parker, do you have anything else on TCU Texas before we move to best case, worst case? Yeah, I'm looking at, uh, there's a couple stats that I wanted to make sure I said out loud to early downs EPA TCU's 10th in the nation. Uh, That's probably a little, that might be off. No, that's right. No, that's generous. I'll say that. Well, they're a lot better on early downs than our lay downs, but they're, they're converting 51% of third downs. Um, Texas is allowing uh, 42% percent of third downs converted which is pretty bad tc is converting 51 so uh tcu should be more aggressive early on knowing that with evans they can more likely clean up a third down um because again grant it's a lot less volatile to clean up a third down to, to convert that third down scenario when you're running a design play to your running back as opposed to your quarterback scrambling for his life on like third and nine right so yeah. if tcu can move the ball on first or second down take a shot and then know hey third down fourth down i can convert um I think that they'll be able to clean up some of that, that with, with Evans pretty nicely against his Texas defense. For sure. Um, yeah. All the stats point to TC, TCU being able to pull this game off, and I've so talked myself out of it that I'm having a hard time believing it. We're in a really weird place because last night we literally just sat here and we're like, no freaking way. And right. I am. I'm feeling that tide a little bit deep in my heart where I'm like, well, uh, I can see this. Yeah. Um, we should say to you before we get to best case, worst case, that uh, we asked for your Twitter predictions. Um, we're not going to get to them tonight because this is an emergency recording, but uh, I will say that most of them are wrong, especially whoever it was that said both teams will have fun. Strong disagree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that one was a particularly uh, egregious. No one is going to have fun. Well, I, I, I'm, I think that one, speaking of worst case scenario, I think one team's going to have fun, but we'll one see. We might have a lot of fun. Parker, what, okay, let's do, what is your worst case scenario? My worst case scenario is that mm, Kari Coleman doesn't play and uh, TCU can't do anything up front. Texas can run every play in their playbook and TCU has to line up and make plays to stop them. Um, there's no disruption. There's no havoc. There's no, um, fluke turnovers on on uh, on Texas's part, and Grant, I think they could score fifty against this TCU team. Um, and on the flip side, I mean, if Texas scores fifty, you know, if the D, like you know, it doesn't matter what the offense does, right? Like, the offense could score thirty again, and it would be fine. Uh, I think they should score thirty again, but if it really comes down to if the defense can't get Sark off script if they can't make Thomas be a, uh, Thompson be an athlete, and if they can't take the ball out of B. John Robinson's hands, um, it could get out of hand really, really quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, I have my worst case, and they get 49-17, where it's just, hey, TCU's not going to stop them, no matter what they do. Which feels so likely. Like, 49 right. is a lot of points. It is. But, yeah, it's that, that just feels so likely. Like, a. I mean, hell, even like a 
like a 52-24 or something that, yeah, just awful. 52-24, but like it, it, it's like the game started out at a 28-point margin. Yeah. Like it, it, there was no way TC was ever going to make that up. Um, but yeah. Okay, okay. Bright side here, what's your best case? I think my best case is that some of these offensive line issues that we're seeing are um, real and that uh, TC was able to be a little bit disruptive up front. Texas's running game has a ceiling on it, and as a result, they're not able to do kind of some of these more advanced downfield concepts. They throw a lot of screens to try and get the ball out of Thompson's hands quick. TCU makes good open field tackles because they do have a lot of athletes in safety, even if they don't know what they're doing right now. Um, I think I feel good about our chances with a screen there. And, and if TCU can hold Texas into the low 30s, high 20s, um, then I think they have a, a chance. So best case scenario is this game gets super ugly. And I, 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 I mean, something in the 20s, right? Like 27, 21, 24, 21 is like TCU's best case scenario here. Yeah, I was going to say uh, the best case scenario is that it rains and that stuff gets really weird. Um, I, I yeah. think 27-24 is my best case, kind of along the same lines as you. But, but this is a game where there's a bunch of weird turnovers. And credit TCU, I mean, I think they forced Mordecai in three picks last week, or at least two, and, and two of them. Mordecai did, not, Mordecai did not have a good game, um, no. especially if you account for the, the Danny Gray being like a complete blown coverage, like uncontested completion in space. Um, Mordecai did not have a good game. So, again, if, uh, the flip side is if TCU overcompensates and focuses on the run, I do think Thompson can beat him. But what I would do is I, w- I would rather Casey Thompson beat me deep than Bijan Robinson beat me by bludgeoning my face with a club for right. 60 and, minutes. And that is not famous last words. It's just that's how I'd rather get beat, honestly. It's, no, in expectation. Yeah. It's kind of like it's like all these people that are like, oh, your staff thing said this. So, uh, this is an own. It's like, well, no, I'm saying, hey, here's a distribution of outcomes beforehand. Yeah. And it's like the same thing. It's like distribution of outcomes. TCU is more likely to win the game if they make Casey Thompson have to go deep as yeah. opposed to if they just see Bijan Robinson, whatever he wants. Yeah, it doesn't mean Casey Thompson can't do it. It doesn't mean he won't do it. It just means the more likely outcome is that yeah. Bijan will be this thing, Casey. Um, not that he can't. So what is your, your prediction, Parker? What's the most likely outcome here? So the numbers have this at, uh, at 39-30 Texas, which feels a little generous. Again, TCU has been able to score, and Texas' defense hasn't been amazing. Um, I do think that's a little high for TCU, uh, and I do think that Texas will score a little bit more than that. So I'm going to push that by a field goal both ways. And I think I'm saying something in the range of like 41-27 Texas. Yeah, I, I think last night I, I said 38-31, and I'll, I'll stick with that. Um, 38-31 Texas, and uh, hello, Rigby. Uh, for the listeners at home, I actually deleted the recording last night just so that I could have my dog not bark in the middle of this recording <laughs> for the first time in history. <laughs> but no, I like 38-31 uh, I, I, I Texas. I, I, I if, if I'm a that's man, very in line with the model yeah, yeah, yeah in terms of you know because again i'm controlling for pace i'm controlling for quality of opponent and uh again the the rushing success that smu had is not gonna surely not <laughs> famous last word there but um I, I i get that and i feel like that's that's pretty close to reality i'm just a little more sour on what i think texas tc will be able to do this offense um it'll be high scoring yeah, I think so. Um, and we will be in the vicinity. If you see us, please buy us a drink or two. Um, 
Parker, do you have? Yeah, a, that's right. Yeah, we'll be there, man. We'll, we'll be around there. Um, it's going to be great. It will. Do you have a brief moment, as brief as you like, to run through the Big 12 schedule? Let's, let's knock them out. If you got lines, let's, let's got do lines. it. I got let's numbers here in front of me. Yeah. We'll, we'll, skip, we'll, we'll skip the national games. Watch Alabama Ole Miss. It'll be fun. Um, Oklahoma is an 11.5-point favorite at Kansas State. Uh, I, have you seen – I was driving this afternoon. Is Skyler Thompson going to play? Uh, I'm going to do some next-minute or last-minute Googling here. I, I, I don't think he is. I've got this at Oklahoma 32.6, Kansas State 23.4. That is less than 11. I do uh, – I think that this is a, a, a get-right game for Oklahoma maybe. So I think, I think I'm taking Oklahoma straight up and maybe maybe the points here too. Yeah. It, Oklahoma it, hasn't know, been as bad as people think they are. No, they haven't. And that's the thing. It's like, oh, like people are, um, you know, kind of crap-talking Spencer Rattler. Maybe he hasn't been as good as advertised, but he's still very good. Uh, per the uh, incredible Kellis Robinette of the – Wichita Eagle and Kansas City Star. Uh, Skylar Thompson is uh, – Chris Climate didn't say anything about him, but Will Howard has been taking most of the reps. So, okay, interesting, because that's the, the one, the one like, weakness for Oklahoma right now is their pass defense hasn't been great, 106 yeah. in the nation in EPA per pass, but Kansas's pass offense is 96. So, yeah. uh, or Kansas State, rather. So, yeah, it's kind of gross. Yeah, um, so, yeah, so I'll, take, I'll take Oklahoma in the points there, especially if Howard's playing. I- I think I will too, but I, I don't know. You know what? I'm actually, I'm not. 11 and a half is a big spread. I'm going to take Kansas State. It's um, a lot. West Virginia is a seven-point favorite hosting Texas Tech. That's free money. There's yeah. nothing, there's no such thing. Yeah. But, I mean, if, if Daigie, I mean, not Daigie, if uh, Shuck is out, all they can do is throw screens and, and throw bombs. West Virginia's passing defense is actually pretty sneakily good. And I feel like they're coming on. I, I, I think this is a pretty easy win for West Virginia here. I do too. Um, interesting line here. Oklahoma State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite hosting Baylor. Yeah, Baylor, man. The Baylor's Baylor fans bad. went from zero to 100 real yeah. quick. Yeah. I, Baylor's looked good against bad competition. And then last week, literally, Grant, a kick return. A uh, kick return gave him seven points. A punt return gave him three. And they a fluke tip. I mean, again, the defensive line was very impressive, but like a fluke tip interception stopped Iowa State from at least kicking a field goal. Like they, that that game was not reflective of reality. I also think that Oklahoma State is underrated because they had some COVID issues at the beginning of the season and some injuries, and they scraped out two wins. But I, I mean, I think that like Casey Dunn did pretty great uh, as offensive coordinator on on Saturday night uh, against Kansas State. I think that Oklahoma State is a little bit undervalued here. I'm taking Baylor. I don't like it, but I'm taking Baylor. I think I would go – I think if I was smart, I would go Moneyline Oklahoma State. Yeah, and spread Baylor. Yeah. I don't even know if I'd bet spread Baylor, but maybe. I guess I guess it means I'm saying Oklahoma State cover. No, I don't know. I think last night I said Baylor covering. I don't know how I feel about that. No, no, you took I have this as five you points. Took, you, you took Moneyline Oklahoma State last night. Uh, That's what I think I'm, I, I would do here. Yeah, I don't know. Subscribe to my betting show when I've had a yes, cup of coffee. Yeah, in the yeah, do that. Um, <laughs> and then last one, Parker, and then I, I'll let you uh, get some sleep. And I've been on the road. Uh, I, Iowa State is a 34-point favorite hosting Kansas. Grant, I have a ser- very serious question for you. 
Can I Iowa State physically score 34 points this year? I think I don't know. I'm thinking Kansas here. I, I literally, like, I don't think they'll be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, Kansas is real bad. Iowa State is not very good on offense, just, just frankly. Um, but I do think there is, again, I said this about Oklahoma, but even more so here, this is a get-right game, and I think they'll leave Brock Purdy in for a long period of time here. So um, that's a whole bunch of points, though. It's not the get-right game, but see, Matt Campbell was taking the USC job game and needs to have a resume. Um, no, 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 because at USC, you still have to hire a special teams coach, so he's going to go right, to the NFL when right, the Bears yeah. fire Matt Nagy. Right. Keep your narrative straight. Didn't you get the media text message earlier? Which is <laughs> I can't stretch it that much. The Bears are fine, man. Um, okay, Parker, do you have anything else for us? Uh, no, I'm very excited to get to Fort Worth. I'm very excited to have a cold beer, watch TCU play some football for better or for worse. And uh, it's going to be a good weekend. It's going to be good. I can't wait to see you, buddy. Uh, this has been the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGowan. I'm on Twitter at Grant McGowan. It's spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. You can yell at me for delaying the podcast by a day. He is Parker Fleming at Stats of War. You can follow him for all sorts of graphs and stats and cut-ups and all the information. Thank you for liking, subscribing, rating, and uh, following us as we, we uh, work through this certainly unique TCU football season. Parker Fleming, <laughs> go Frogs. Go Frogs. See you tomorrow, man.